0: Morning, church. A lot of emotion in our music this morning. (laughs) Hang on to that, what you just sang. Hang on to that. Be very honest and willing to say, God, here is my life. It's yours. This life on earth is yours. Here it is. Take it. And now speak to me, God, the truth. Speak the truth to me. We are going to dig back into Romans chapter 8 this morning. So get your Bibles out. Open up your Bible apps. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, we have Bibles for you. So just go ahead and put your hand up if you don't have one. And our ushers will give you one that you can use to follow along with. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not currently have a Bible of your own, keep the one that you receive and take it with you and dig into it. Um, back to Romans chapter 8 this morning, but before we do, just a few things that I want to just touch on with you that uh, Scott referred to the insert in your program um, and just a little brief blurb about in day, a Senegalese woman who is working tirelessly to reach the Wolof people in West Africa for Jesus Christ. Her life has been transformed by the gospel. She is one of very, very few believers in that country and among her people. And God has laid it on her heart to reach out to the people around her with the gospel. And she is doing a tremendous job of that. She has just put herself on the altar and said, God, use me in the midst of great persecution. Use me. And I, and I do want to ask that you pray for her. Um, that you hang on to that insert and you pray for her this week. She's going through some very, very difficult things right now. I won't get into all the detail of that, but it's, it's a very unfortunate circumstance where the enemy has pitted her against some missionaries, some American missionaries there, and there's division, and it's being felt by the community, and it's affecting the work that's being done there. So pray for a day. Pray for strength. She is willing to stick it out She's lost a lot recently. She's willing to stay and give it all up for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for her this week. I also want to just thank you for a few things, and these are in your program as well under the category Impacting the World. Um, You will find some numbers there that we can celebrate this morning. Um, First of all, it's going to tell you that we collected as a church 54 Operation Christmas Child boxes that will be sent to different parts of this world to brighten the kid's Christmas and bring God's love to them in a very practical way. Um, We collected 142 Union Gospel Mission bags, and that means there's going to be 142 families in the Twin Cities that are going to be impacted by you this Thanksgiving as they celebrate together, and we help them celebrate, and we encourage them through what we've given to them. So thank you for that. Um, Last week, we had Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge here. Um, And we raised for them $6,234 to help with that ministry there. And beyond just that phenomenal generosity, thank you very much. I also want to thank you for doing what we were created to do as a church. And that is when people walk in these doors... Our role as a church is to welcome them, to be hospitable, to show them the love of God's family. And you did that last week. And I can't tell you how many conversations I had with Teen Challenge clients and their leadership on the way out as they talked about how much they love this church. Thank you for that. Thank you for being warm. Thank you for welcoming them. Thank you for cooking for them. Thank you for engaging with them in conversation around the tables. For seeking them out and and encouraging them after they came up here and just spilled their guts for you. Telling you all their deep, dark secrets about the things that they've been through. And you were there for them. And you rallied around them. You encouraged them. And they felt that deeply. And I don't think anybody could argue with the fact that God's Spirit was very present here last Sunday. There was just something amazing about that service and about the things that we saw and heard and participated in. There was tremendous impact there. And it certainly didn't hurt to have a little girl come running up on stage and have her dad hold her while he told his story. And how much he wants to be reunited with her And his wife have a new life there. Keep praying for them. Uh, Celebration doesn't stop there. If we go back another week before that, um, I felt God pushing me to to get the gospel out here and talk to you guys about um, making a decision to be justified by God. And praise the Lord, five people made decisions that day in that service. And God is good, he's moving, his word is powerful, and he's speaking constantly to us. And So this morning we say to him, here's our lives, Lord, you speak what's true. You speak to us, and he's going to do that again this morning. So turn to Romans chapter 8. Today is the last Sunday for studying specific verses in Romans 8. Next week, we're going to come to the end of our Romans 8 study, and fittingly, we're going to celebrate together with communion next week. Um, It's usually the first Sunday of the month, but we've bumped it back to next week, and we're going to celebrate communion together as we wrap up our study of Romans chapter 8 and celebrate what God has done for us. Um, As we do that together. So this morning we have five verses to look at together. Um, They make up one incredible ending to this chapter. This is Romans chapter 8 verses 35 through 39. This is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written... For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor man i can 't read this passage without losing it. Once again, if at any time you're in need of encouragement, please go to a passage like this and just invite God to speak to you through his word, through the Bible. He's very generous with his encouragement. And there's something special about this passage, and I hope you'll see this as we go through it this morning. There's something below the surface that makes this even more encouraging for me than usual. More encouraging than this passage has been for me in the past. And we're going to look at that detail in just a few minutes. Let's let's look back to verse 31. Back up to verse 31. Who can be against us, Paul says. Verse 33, who shall bring charges against us? Verse 34, who is to condemn? And now in today's passage, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And in previous weeks, we've listened as God has encouraged us With some of his many promises. No one can be against us. No one can overtake us. No one can bring charges against us. Can make us guilty again. Now that we've been declared righteous by God. No one can condemn us. No one can make us deserving of judgment. No one can do that. And now no one can separate us from the love of Christ. We are not just positionally righteous and free and ransomed. We have been made righteous, set free, and paid for in total so that we can live for all of eternity in a loving relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And no one, which includes no thing, as you'll see, can separate us from his love. That's fantastic news. But today is about showcasing the sovereignty of God as well as his love. Our Father does more than just write nice letters telling us how much he loves us and that nothing can separate us from that love. Our Father is well aware of the fact that this world is under the rule of the enemy right now. And often we do not feel like nothing can separate us from his love. In fact, sometimes we wonder if his love is available at all given the circumstances that we're facing. I get a lot of encouragement from this, so I want to start our look at this passage by looking elsewhere, somewhere other than Romans 8, just like Paul did. Look at verse 36 in our passage with me. Verse 36, he says this, As it is written, and then he pulls this from somewhere else, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So, as it is written, where? Who thinks that they're being killed all day long? Who sees themselves as sheep being led to slaughter? Well, let's go to Paul's source. Psalm 44. Turn to Psalm 44. I want to actually read the whole psalm and not just the verse that Paul used from this psalm. This psalm was written from the perspective of the Israelites, from the perspective of God's people, God's chosen people. And Do you know what I love about this psalm? Um, I love the fact, and you'll see why, I love the fact that God did not exclude things like this from his word. God did not pick things that might be taken negatively and just chuck them and, and, and get us just positive stuff. So listen to this. Psalm 44. And it starts really positive. Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You, with your own hand, drove out the nations, but them, your people, you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did did their own arms save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God, ordained salvation for Jacob, Through you, we push down our foes. Through your name, we tread on those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God, we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. And then there's that word, and it means pause. Hang on a second. Pause and think about that because things are going to take a nasty turn now. But, but you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter. And have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle. Demanding a high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors. The derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations. A laughing stock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me. And shame has covered my face. At the sound of the taunter and reviler. At the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake, and this is what Paul used, yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Then can you imagine saying this to God and him allowing it to be in the Bible? Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Wake up, God, rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Okay, somebody in Israel knew what it was to suffer. They were getting beat up. And this was written in honesty at a time when they were being beat down. They had seen God bless generations before them with prosperity and safety, but not now. Now life hurt. But that—that that was history for Paul. That was just a study of people a long time ago. What about him? Could Paul relate? Is that what life was like for him? Well, listen to Second Corinthians eleven verses twenty-three to twenty-seven. He's comparing himself to some of the other believers around him. And there's some discussion about him and and his integrity and his um, credentials. Uh, So he responds, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. exposure. I don't think Paul got the cushy life that we all want God to give us. He didn't get the safety. He didn't get the security. This is what he got. Paul understood hardship. And so in the passage that we're looking at today, Paul's speaking about God's love from a place of pain, He knew what it was to feel like he was being killed all day long and regarded as a sheep to be slaughtered. Yet he writes of God's love and how inseparable we are from it. On both sides of the statement in verse 36... Paul talks about this reality. Life can be very, very hard, but he promises in the midst of the fire, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Like what? What can't separate us from God's love? Verse 35 gives us the first half of the hard life list. These are some of the things that we face that cannot keep us From the love of Christ. Look at them in the text. Romans 8.35. Back there now. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Let's look at those. Let's look at each of those words. He starts out with tribulation. Let me tell you what that means. And for all you old people like me. Go back to a song that was created by David Bowie and Queen. Tribulation means pressure. Oppressing means we're being pressed. Then he says distress. This is feeling like you're stuck. It means the space is narrowing and you have a lack of options before you. You're in a very narrow path. Persecution. Just what it says, facing opposition based on what we believe. The people that Paul was writing to knew this one very, very well. Then he says famine, and he's being literal here. Hunger, a lack of harvest, and persecution often led to this. This could be the end result of being persecuted and being on the run for your faith, is you go hungry He says nakedness, another reference to poverty brought on by oppression, not even having an adequate clothing. Danger, he says, specifically danger from someone else. And sword. This is a literal reference to a sword, specifically used as an instrument of judgment. Many were put to death by the sword at his time. None of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. Not one. Not the pressure we face, not a lack of options, a feeling like we're stuck, not being harassed for what we believe, not poverty, whether it's financial, emotional, or whatever. No opposition, no threat of death. Nothing can separate you and me from the love of Jesus Christ. On the other end of the passage... Paul gives us another list. So look now at verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am sure that... That these things cannot come between us and God's love. I'm sure of it, he says. He mentions death and he's talking about our physical death. Even that cannot separate us from God's love. Life, and he's just described the things of life that can make people think that God's love is far from them. He's talking about life and how hard life can be. He says angels. He's talking about messengers sent by God. He mentions principalities, those who hold dominion over something that's entrusted to them, and specifically here, demons. He says things present, things that we can see right now, things to come, life after physical death, things that we can't currently see. He mentions powers, and this refers here to angels that excel in power. And then he says height, and I love the reference here. This was a term that was used to describe the highest point of a star's path, the zenith of a star's path. And then he mentions depth, and it refers to the lowest point in a star's path, the whole sky. He's talking about the whole sky. And then he says, nor anything else in all creation. And rather than going on for days and days building his list, he cuts it off here and sums up and says, literally no other created thing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. Nothing. There's only one part of our passage that we've left out here. And it's even more powerful than it sounds. It's verse 37. Where he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the threat of the sword, in death or life against angels or principalities, in things present, things to come, against powers in height, depth, or any other created thing. We are more than conquerors. Wow, we must be really impressive. Now, It's not by our own power that we conquer. It is, not surprisingly, through God. And maybe surprisingly, Paul does not mention God's strength specifically here. He says we conquer through the one who loves us. Who loves us. We conquer because we cannot be separated from that love. And I have to mention the phrase, more than conquerors. Um, This has a pretty dramatic tone to it in the original language, in the Greek that it was written in. This is not Paul saying, in all of these things, we will survive, we'll make it. He's not saying that. It's not just a promise that we'll get through. It says, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. In all these things, we will gain a surpassing victory. We're going to blow them out. 53 to 0. It's going to be that kind of football game. We are going to kick their butt. They don't stand a chance. We win. And it is an overwhelming victory. We're going to get a taunting penalty after this victory. Nothing in all of creation can come between us and the love that our Father has for us. All these things will be reduced to rubble because of the love that God has for us. None of these things have enough power to overtake us or God's love and separate us from it. There's no way. Paul says that he is sure of this. He has been induced by God to believe that this is true. He has faith that this is true. I hope that every one of us is influenced greatly by Paul's confidence. But it's more than just confidence. This reaches a deeper level for Paul. Let me show you what I mean. In the book of Colossians, Paul carries this perspective out to a place somewhere beyond just confidence. He writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. I want to show you what I'm seeing here and, and how I see this all being tied together. Psalm 44 that Paul draws from. Israel calls on God to wake up. They've been doing everything right, but they're suffering. Relieve us for the sake of your love, they say. Little did they know that God's love would be demonstrated in a very unexpected way. God, in his greatest act of love, sends Jesus, who through great suffering wins an overwhelming victory over death. Recently, we read Romans 5, 1 to 11 together. God's love was demonstrated through the suffering and death of his son. Love was demonstrated through suffering. And all earthly suffering was put in its place. It could no longer overtake us. It could never separate us from God's love. We got there through Jesus' suffering. Now listen again to what Paul writes in Colossians 1.24. And now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Paul takes his life, and he connects it to Jesus' life. He takes his life and connects it to Jesus' life. Jesus suffered for the sake of his followers, for the sake of the church and the lost. And now Paul can see that his life is an extension of Jesus' life through his own suffering. Whatever he may have suffered, he looked at it with the perspective that his suffering, like Jesus, was being used the way that Jesus' suffering was used. Paul is saying that God's love will be demonstrated through our suffering like it was demonstrated through Jesus' suffering. Can you see the hope in that? Through any suffering that we may face, two things are true. None of it can separate us from God's love. None of it. And God is using that suffering... To demonstrate his love to us, to his people, to the world around us. Jesus showed us what it takes sometimes for God to demonstrate his love. He suffered and the whole time lived in the victory that was being won through that suffering. Paul echoed that perspective when it came to his own suffering. He saw his life as an extension of the life of Jesus. Paul suffered with Jesus. Paul remained convinced of the victory that was being won through his own suffering. And what was that victory? Well, listen, God changed our lives forever through the writings of Paul, didn't he? Now, what about us? Will we ever rejoice in our suffering Will we ever see that God is using our lives, including or even especially our suffering? Will we ever consider our suffering to have a purpose in God's demonstration of love to his church and to the world? Will we ever consider our lives, our suffering, as an extension of the mission of Jesus Christ? And I believe that realization begins here with Paul's words in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. In all the things that I face in life that may be considered suffering, I am more than a conqueror. I am overwhelmingly victorious. Even my suffering, especially my suffering, is a win for God and his love. God demonstrated his love for the world through the suffering of Jesus Christ, his only son. Is it possible then that God is demonstrating his love for the world through my suffering, through your suffering? Paul couldn't see what would become of his suffering, how God would use it. He had faith. We can't see it any more than he could. But in all of it, no matter how he uses it, hold fast to this promise. None of it can separate us from God and his love for us through Jesus Christ. And God will, God will use your suffering for the sake of extending the work of Jesus Christ in demonstrating the love of God to this world. Still, would you rather avoid suffering in this life? Yeah, of course. I would too. But God has given us these promises that none of what we face can separate us from his love. And in anything that we face, we are more than conquerors because God will use our suffering to accomplish his plan of demonstrating his love to the world that he created. In suffering, we win two ways. We're never separated from the love of our Father. We are always victorious because God has declared victory in suffering. So let me um, invite you to do something as we approach the week ahead. We're headed for Thanksgiving. And you will be asked, maybe, or you will ask, What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Start with this. I am thankful that I will never be separated from the love of God. Never. And I am thankful that I am always victorious. No matter what I'm facing. No matter what I suffer. I'm thankful for that. Take that thought with you. As you go to Thanksgiving, because God demonstrates his love and maintains the connection of his love to us through all of it, the good and the bad, even the worst suffering, he continues to pour it out on us. What a tremendous declaration of his love and our worth to him. This is how much he loves us. We're never separated from the love of our Father. Nothing can separate us. And in anything that we suffer, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. I'm going to invite the ushers if they'll come now. And we'll close our service together by taking up our offering and worshiping God one more time in song. Will you pray with me as they come and prepare? Father, we hear over and over and over and over and over again. In church, we read in your word. We we hear it on the radio. We sing it in songs about the fact that you love us. And we are so grateful for that. We are so thankful for the unconditional love that you have for us. for how generous you are with that love. But God, this morning, will you help, help us to get to a place where our understanding of and appreciation for your love will not change when our circumstances go south. Help us to reach that point where we honestly, truly realize and stand on the reality that there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from your love. When we reach our lowest point, when we are facing death even, God, give us the faith to see that even death cannot separate us from your love. That there is no hardship, there is no calamity, there is no tragedy of any sort that can separate us. From your love, there is no suffering that can separate us from your love. None of it can. Nobody and no thing. Just help us get there. Give us the faith to get there. And God, you've opened up my eyes and increased my faith over the past week as I've looked at this passage and seen what Paul's saying about us being more than conquerors. Easy words to say it sounds really good but again God give us the faith to see that in our suffering through all kinds of tribulation and danger and whatever it is we are overwhelmingly victorious because amongst many other things you use suffering to demonstrate your love to this world to the church and god i know we have some in this room who are suffering greatly right now and i ask that you would give them the faith to trust you to use their suffering to demonstrate your love I know that's hard, but I ask that you would do that. You would would create that faith in us. God, we want to see ourselves as an extension of Jesus' mission and ministry, that we are carrying on what he started. Well, what he started, he started in suffering. Help us to see that our suffering can be used just like his was, To demonstrate your love for your church and for the world. For those who are suffering here today, I pray that you would give them hope in that. That you would give them courage. That you would give them strength. That you would give them faith to believe. That none of these things that they're facing can separate them from your love. And that in these things they are more than conquerors through him who loves them, through you and the love that you have for them. God, thank you for that love. So we close out our time here with worship, Lord. Just help us to see you. We're even going to sing the words, what can separate us from your love? Nothing can. Because of the one who brought us together with that, because of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful name that is. What a powerful name that is. Father, bless this church as we go to celebrate with friends and family this week. To give thanks. Help us to remember what we have to be thankful for in you. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.